All right. Well, Jared prayed us in today, and that's always good. We like to open and let God, you know, decide what we're doing. So I'm going to talk to you guys. I really want to talk today about truth and love and how they're actually an identity. They're not an idea or a feeling or any of that. Do you know that they're actually an identity? And I think we miss out on that um, sometimes. So there's a big difference between truth and facts. Huge difference. There's also a big difference between love, the way that people use the word love, right? So do you guys know that truth is a person? So is love. If you look in God's word, truth is not an idea, a thought, or a way of life. Truth is a person. I'm going to go to John 14, and it says this. 14.6, it says, Jesus told him, I am, so Jesus is saying, this is who I am. I am the way, yes, and I am the truth and the life. No one can get to the Father except by means of me. I love that he's saying, do you want to know what truth is? Me. Anything about me that I'm truth. He didn't say, you know, I speak the truth, did he? He didn't say, I carry the truth. He didn't say, I live the truth. He said, I am the truth. Outside of Jesus, there is no truth. There is facts. There's facts like, hey, these chairs are gray. That's a fact, right? We can have facts, but outside of Christ, there is no truth. Because Jesus was the truth. And then we go down and we say, you know, we say, well, how is love? God says in his word that he is love. He's not, it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's not something we do. God says, I am love. It says in 1 John 4, 16, it says, So we know that the love, of God, the love God has for us, and we trust that love. God is love, and everyone who lives in love, so if you are really living in true love towards one another, then you know God. Because we can't, you can't know love without knowing God, because he is love. But everyone who lives in love lives in God, and in turn, God lives in him. I mean, we can live in a lot of things. We can live in infatuation. We can live in extreme, you know, like of something. But that's telling you God's word is saying we cannot, you cannot know love without him. You may use the word, L-O-V-E, you may use that to things. You know, sometimes we say, I love chocolate cake or I, you know, whatever. But, you know, we just like it. We don't really realize because God is love. They have an identity. There is an identity in them. So I was... You may know this famous scripture. We used to have it on a wall in our barn for a while. Um, but 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love scripture. Sometimes we read it at weddings. And we just, oh, this is just so sweet. But um, something I learned long ago is when I'm teaching people about love, I say put your name in there and also put God's name in there. So when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it does me no good at all. And so if we, if we change that up and say, If I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have God, it does me no good at all. God endures with patience and serenity. God is kind and thoughtful. God is not jealous or envious. 
Now, we hear in the word, God says, you know, I'm a jealous God. That's different. He's not jealous of something you have. God's not like, oh, I wish I would, wh- would have, you know, um, curly hair. God's not envious like that. That's what I was talking about. But God is not envious or jealous. God does not brag. God is not proud. God is not arrogant. God is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not provoked. He is not overly sensitive or easily angered. God does not take into account a wrong endured. Do you know that? Through the blood, when we sin, he doesn't even take that into account anymore because he sees us through the blood. God does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices with the truth, or you could say rejoices with Jesus. You see how when you put the identity back in there, it makes a lot of sense when you read that verse. You know, God rejoices in Jesus because he gave, gave him to save humanity. God bears all things regardless of what comes. God believes all things, looking for the best in each of us. God hopes all things. God remains steadfast during difficult times. God endures all things without weakening. God never fails. He never fades. He never ends. Does that scripture feel more powerful when you put the identity to it? And not just a word that we have overused and thrown around and don't even know that it has an identity? That embodies God. Like, he's not easily angered. He has righteous anger, but he doesn't get mad because, you know, someone cut him off in traffic. I mean, he created his, you know, streets in gold. I mean, I feel like that would be kind of slippery. But, you know, God's got the best traction, I guess. I just love reading that. You know, if love and truth have an identity, then can we really experience either of them if we don't know Jesus and we don't know God? So when we go out into the world and we expect people to tell us the truth, when we expect marriages, you know, to last and people to love each other well, but we aren't carrying Jesus with us, how can they? How can a world that doesn't know Jesus walk in truth? They can't. If he is truth without him, there is no truth. There may be some facts that may line up, you know, scientifically, but without him there is no truth. We can like our family a lot. We wonder why families are torn apart and why there's so many broken relationships. Because there is no love without God if you do not put him in the equation. You may like someone a whole lot, but can we really understand the depths of love if we don't know God? So when we get frustrated with people and and we think about that, think about, you know what, they don't know any better. If they don't know Christ, how are they supposed to know how to live in truth? You know, if we don't know God, do we even experience love? I I was thinking about that. Like, do do I even love if I didn't know God because he's love, would I even experience it? And if, if he's love, then without him, we may know this extreme fondness for something, care, pleasure, but, but without God in the equation, it fades, right? I've seen relationships, friendships, all things that you think, oh my gosh, they're so in love. How can it fade? We just read in 1 Corinthians that God never fades, it fades. Love never fades. So really, it's not a 
connection issue that people have. It's not uh, work if they're working on their relationship. It's do they know God? Because you know what? How can they give and extend love if you don't know what love is? It makes you have a new realization when you look at people that have yet to meet Christ. I, have, I say yet to because he said, I put you on this earth so everyone can meet me. Your job, you know, God's not slacking. We may be slacking. God never slacks. He never slacks. He's never late, you know. And I looked, and so I thought, okay, so there's a love issue. That's why we have such brokenness. Because people are taking God out of the equation or they have yet to meet him because we've yet to extend that. And then why is deception and lies seem to... I mean, you can, I mean, I've seen people, you show them the truth, like black and white right there. And they're like, nope, that's not true. And you're like, what? Like, it's right here. I remember, this is funny. So one time, uh, we, when we were young, when we first got married, we did our laundry at my parents' house, and my sister was staying there. I just bought Matt these new socks, and I know they were hers. My sister walks over, pulls them out of the dryer, and goes, these are mine. I was like, but we're here doing our laundry. Like, you don't live here. She was just, like, staying there for a while. And I'm like, no, I just bought these for him. She's like, they are mine. I'm like, that's, like, hello, it's truth. Like, I c- I'm like, I could probably get you the receipt and show you, but it's like, nope, these are mine. See, because the, the world operates in deception. But Jesus, you know, if people never meet Jesus, how can they have any real truth in their life? Because there is no truth without him. There's a bunch of facts, and the thing about facts is they can change. Do you know that facts can change? We think, but it's a fact. Facts change all the time. With more information, with more technology, with more understanding, facts change, right? I mean, I was reading an article about how... um, uh, mothers that, uh, like maternity wards, the, um, the death rate was so high. And this guy uh, goes, well, it's because I think it's because we have bacteria on our hands and, and we're going and doing surgery and then we're coming and delivering these babies. All the doctors laughed at him. The fact was there's no germs small enough on your hand. That was a fact. Well, guess what? We all know now, right? You know, I, if someone's going to deliver my baby, they better wash my ha- their hands and put some gloves on, right? We know that now. But do you see how facts can change? But the truth doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. That's why truth is an identity. You can't change the truth. You can't make it something that you want. Jesus doesn't change. You know, it used to be a fact. The world is flat. If you said anything else, you you were strung up. You're put in jail. You might lose your life. The world's flat. We're not entertaining anything else. This is what we know. This is the extent of it. That was fact. It was, you know, written down. That's the way it was. Something that's even more to my heart is I remember when, you know, we have had so much technology with babies in the womb. Used to be, oh, man, if they are born, you know, before 32 weeks, they cannot survive. There's zero chance. Now we hear of stories all the time. I just heard of one 21 weeks old, born, just made its first birthday, and went home. See, so the fact was you can't live outside the womb in 32 weeks, and God's like, who told you that? Who told you that? Because facts can change, but the truth doesn't. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That baby could live because Jesus is the truth and the life. 
not the facts. The facts don't choose your, how long you live or, or any of those things. And I thought, whew, knowing the truth is powerful. The truth is absolute. It's Jesus. We know Jesus is the Son of God. No one can come up and say anything else. It doesn't matter. No matter what people say, it doesn't change the truth. You can't change the truth. More information does not change that. More technology does not change that. More understanding does not change that Jesus is the Son of God, right? No amount of facts, no amount of change or knowledge can change that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and sent the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. Can't change it. Doesn't matter if nobody on this earth believed that. It doesn't, it can't change because you can't say that's not Jesus. You can't change an identity. You can change ideas and thoughts and opinions, but you can't change Jesus. And so all truth comes from him. Without it, we're just living from facts that can and will change. In our lifetime, I think people that are like, you know, in this like 35 to 45 range, we saw a lot of changes, didn't we? There was no internet, and all of a sudden we had, like, this internet, and it was like, this is crazy. Like, things were changing so quickly, you know? And um, as we grew up, like, we started without any computers. We finished with, like, you know, they're like the technology age. They know all of this stuff. And I thought, that fact changed. Well, you can't talk to someone on a screen. How are you going to do that? <laughs> Nobody thought about that, right? Facts can change. Truth doesn't. That's why it's so important for the world to know God and to meet Jesus. We can know about God and still not know Jesus. And he said, hey, nobody's coming to the Father except through me. So it's really important to not just believe for ourselves, but it's really important to walk that out and live that so that other people can meet Jesus, so that they can be in unity with God because that's the only way. There's no other way to get there, right? We agree on that. There is no other way except through Jesus. In this part, when I was, when I was talking, it's actually, I was talking with Michelle and Mel about this. I was talking a, a month or so ago, and I was just back there, and the Holy Spirit came on me, and I was like, oh my gosh, truth is a person. And they were like, okay, yeah. They agreed. It was good. You know, but I was like, we're just talking about random stuff, and, and that's how God works. He's like, you know, I want to say something to this church in this season. And that's why we got to take that word. We don't say, well, God, that wasn't in my plans. I have a six-week sermon message, point one, two, three, four, five, six. God's like, I did it all in three days, so there's not much more you need. And those are fine, too. Sometimes God says they need six points. Usually he tells me, you need six points to get there. Does he ever do that to you guys when you hear from him? He's like, this is for you. You can share it after you have that testimony. After you walk through it, you get to, then it becomes a testimony. You get to share it. So sometimes when I have, when God's like, I want you to share this, I'm like, oh, no. What's coming? <laughs> I got to get some revelation on here. And, and so I just thought, it's so important for the world to meet them. Without it, because they can't experience true love. That's so it's so sad to think that someone could really, like, go their whole life without experiencing love because they haven't experienced God. 
and and it's very easy for people to quickly submit their lives to lies when you've never experienced the truth because you would know no different because lie is the opposite of truth deception and God said I want you to be part of so I'm the truth and I'm going to put my spirit in you and you're going to go out and you're going to spread the truth you're going to spread love the Great Commission, what are we supposed to do? Go out and preach the gospel to all the ends of the earth. I mean, I'm very thankful. We got a good, we got a good end of the earth here. We got like Michigan close to us. We have beautiful seasons. You know, I'm thankful for that. My husband sometimes, he's like, man, I wish God would have put us in Alaska. And I'm like, I wish God would have put us in Hawaii. And God's like, isn't it hilarious how I put you together? <laughs> you know, it's good. But he said, we're, where we are, that's what, that our job is. Our job doesn't change by our location. So when we go out and, and, and preach the gospel and, and, and Jesus and, and, and God, we got to start with our own soul. Do you guys know that? If this is all messed up and confused and this is still living in lies or, or is, you know, um, in rebellion, that's going to be really hard to extend it to someone else. What ends up happening, if we're all messy, what do we extend? Messiness. We extend messiness. And then we get people that are like, oh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't go to church. I hate it. No, you're just hurt. You're just hurt, and it comes out as anger. Almost all anger comes from hurt. Let's be honest. I think there's really only one root, true type of anger, and that's God's righteous anger towards the enemy but almost all anger is because there is some hurt and God's like you know what start with our own soul speak to it day and night build up encourage get energized to go out and speak the truth and love to others through deeds through actions and words all of those if you say oh, I'm not really a great speaker that's fine you still got deeds and actions right do something for somebody. Jesus did. If, if we're walking in truth, Jesus at time went and had meals with people, just sat down and said, hey, let's just sit down and talk and enjoy time together. Sometimes he went to their job and he's like, put your net out. Come on, let's do this. You know, he was a foreman there. Put it out, the other side. Come on, get some people, help you pull in the... Sometimes it was through works and actions, and, and sometimes it was through words. We know that people followed him around just to hear what he had to say. Constantly. But we've got to start with our own soul. We've got we to gotta speak. We've got to know what God's word says. We've got to fill it up. We've got to fill our life with Jesus so that we are full of the truth. So that when we go out into the world, what spills out is the truth. What is the overflow is the truth. If the overflow is junk, that's what's going to spill on other people. And don't get discouraged when people turn away. When you're all excited and you're like, let me share Jesus, let me share my life, and you think it's all good, and they're like, I don't want to hear that. I don't believe that. 
you're trying to control me. That's not the way I live. You know, we want to try to force them, right? Because we're human. (laughs) We want to pick up that little piece of the old man, like, you will know Jesus. He is good and kind, and you, you ever see that? When we were at Disney, we saw that, you know, parents, you, you know, you better start having fun right now. I paid a lot of money to be here. You better slide. This is the happiest place on earth. Everybody starts smiling right now. He's screaming yay. <laughs> See, I know the parents, you all laughing because you've done that with your kids. You know, be happy. Sometimes we want to do that with Jesus to people like, my life's so good. Your life's going to be good and you're going to do what I say. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I like this, Jesus. That's not Jesus. That's a little bit. Um, yeah, that's flesh, yeah. But don't, but I want to encourage you guys, don't get discouraged if people turn away, reject, or get offended. You know, those that are sticking fast to facts or religion, don't get offended. It is not your job to make them believe. It is your job to go out and preach the gospel. That's all your job is. It is not your job to get them to understand, to make them believe, to make them call on the name of the Lord. That is not your job. He said, your job is just to preach the gospel, live the gospel, be Christians, little Christ. That's your job. That's it. I mean, we have enough trouble doing that for ourselves, right? Hard to, trying to do that for someone else. I mean, there are days that I'm like, whew, this is a workout, <laughs> trying to be a believer, right? I mean, when I go to like Grand Rapids or something, the city, and I got to drive, it is really hard. I'm just like, why are you not moving? Matt's like, they can't hear me. I'm like, go, go. I'm clapping at people in my car. They're probably thinking, what's going on? Here's this girl just clapping in her car by herself. I'm screaming. <sighs> yeah. I've done some things in the car. Okay, this, I'm going to share this. It's probably sin, but I've, I've already repented for it, but I'm going to share it uh, because you guys need to see. You need to see where we mess up, and that God still loves me. But I, mean, I feel like this was kind of good. You guys can judge for yourself. Judge me. It says to, inside the church, we're supposed to judge others. You, you judge me. No, I'm saying judge me. Come on. So, okay, I was driving down the road with my kids. There's a car in front of me, and we're coming down 192nd, and you know how, like, Loop Road, you know, goes into town. So, like, people will turn, and um, so I'm, like, behind this car, and all of a sudden, I just felt my spirit. I'm like, something isn't right. These, this car comes flying past, almost hits this guy as he's turning. I thought we were going to see this terrible crash. They're laughing. They're joking around. They're just kids. I thought, that's it. So I just take a, I'm going to chase him. I chased this guy for miles, scared the crap out of him. My kids are in the car. I'm like, it's fine. We're scaring him. He's going to not do this again. And I was just like, and I was like, I'm like, don't do this. And I'm going like 90. My kid, I don't even care. I was like, I'm scaring this guy. He didn't. He was, like, so scared. He was, like, trying to get away. He's like, oh, my gosh, this crazy mom is chasing me down. Not our job. Was it not my job to get him to be in fear of, you know, causing accidents? That was not my job. In that moment, it felt like I'm going to make him be scared. When he sees a mom, he's just going to start crying. Every time he sees my hand, he be like, I can't drive. I don't know what it was. But after a while, I thought, you know what? I better stop this. <laughs> I did. Slowed down. Um, 
I don't remember. Were you guys scared or are you guys excited? Like, get him. I thought you guys, yeah. So my kids were a part of this. They were, ex- they were encouraging me in the wrong things. I remember, like, get him. They weren't even scared. Were you with me too? Okay. I mean, that might tell you how crazy I sometimes get that my kids weren't even phased by that. <laughs> I don't know what. But do you see how when we try to force somebody to accept Jesus. Like I talked about a couple weeks ago, Jesus is attractive. He doesn't need you, you know, to be his advertiser. He just needs you to speak the truth. What he offers is attractive. You know, our job is just to preach the gospel of love, which is God, his character, who he is, and and walk it out in our lives in truth, which is Jesus. You know? in truth, which is Jesus. And sometimes we, we can't worry about what this person didn't, they didn't like what I said, or, or they wouldn't, you know, I've done everything and they won't come to know the Lord. Um, they're living in sin all the time, unrepented. You know what? Sometimes we just got to wipe our feet and move on and let God deal with the resistance. He's better at it. He's better at it. His ways are higher. Sometimes it's like, Lord, I gave them the gospel. Go get them. Sometimes I just pray, Lord, send laborers into their path. That's all I'm asking. You know, they kicked me out of their path. So, Lord, make it so they can't walk without people coming in and living the gospel in front of them. Sometimes people just get saved because they're just so mad (laughs) that the Lord keeps chasing them. This guy right here, I'm going to out you because I can, because you're going to marry my daughter. Um, but I remember, it was my mom's funeral, and this guy, he was choosing a different path, and I was like, you know what? He should be following the Lord. He knows this. What is wrong with him? You know, I'm all sad, and I'm in this line receiving people at my mom's funeral. And he comes up, and the Lord says, I want you to tell him I'm going to chase him, and he's not going to get away, and I'm coming after him. So I'm like, I'm crying. I'm like, I'm supposed to be doing this, and, and the Lord's like, do it right now. Do you remember that? And God started chasing you big time. And I will say, you're an awesome man of God because the Lord, he didn't need us to chase him. He didn't need us. He didn't need to say, you go to church, you know, every single week and and you do this. God said, I'm coming for him. I love that. I love that because you know what? I'm so thankful because I think that God's putting something that's going to complement my daughter so well in his life because you chose to submit to the Lord. So thank you for that. That was good for me. I mean, I'm thinking, when this comes to your children, I mean, I want to be like, you better know the Lord. You better do this, this, and this. But it's like, God's like, I know it. I know what they need. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just preach the gospel. Just live it. And in the moments, even if it's your moment of sorrow or your moment, you know, of hardship, if God speaks to you, it's your time to speak. I could have said, well, you know, I'm in my grieving season. I don't want to do that right now, Lord. I don't want to be on. I don't want to do that. I want to receive in this season. And God said, did I tell you it's about you? No, it's not about you. It is about Jesus. And see, I think sometimes we just got to practice hearing and saying, what do you want to do? If you're the truth, I got to release it when you want it. I got to say what you're saying and do what you're doing. There is no, this is my truth. Oh, that's your truth. 
Well, it's truth for my life. Er, wrong. Sorry. No, I'm not going to sign on to any of that. That in itself is deception. Be aware of that. So when people want to come up to you, what they're saying is, I want to be in rebellion. I mean, I wouldn't say that back to him unless you have a good relationship. Like if my kids came up or my husband said, well, that's my truth, I would be like, bull dookie. Nah. Mm-mm. Turn around. Try again. We don't speak things outside of the word of God here. Jesus is the truth. There is no your truth. You don't own truth. You don't own Jesus. He owns you because you gave your life to him. Your truth. That gets me fired up when people say, doesn't that? Like, you're trying to take Jesus' identity? I don't think so. Because Jesus is the, Jesus doesn't bend to our thoughts or our ways. Do you guys know that? He does not bend to our thoughts or our ways or what we want to do or how we think people should get saved or how we think people should do this or that. In Ephesians 4, it says, therefore rejoicing or rejecting, make sure I get that right, therefore rejecting all falsehood, whether lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, <laughs> spreading rumors, any, <laughs> that was kind of quiet in there, any such as these, speak truth or speak Jesus, each one with his neighbor. So he's saying, speak about Jesus, speak Jesus to others. For we are all part of one another and we are all part of the body of Christ. See how it said speak truth and then it said we're part of the body of Christ? The same identity. <coughs> so we need to reject anything that is contrary to him. If it's falsehood, deception, we need to start saying, you know, I don't want this in my life. I'm not just going to be okay with it and smile. Be like, this is uncomfortable, but I'll just be okay with it. No, he is the truth. When we choose Christ, that's when we grow. That's when we change and we begin to look more like him. Ephesians 4.15, it says, no, we will speak the truth. We will speak Jesus with love. Or you could say, we will speak Jesus and God. That's all we're going to talk about. Everything we do, that's what we're going to talk about. We will speak the truth with love. We will grow to be like Christ in every way. He is the head, and the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together with each part doing its own work. So that means we collectively need to spread the gospel. This causes the whole body to grow and be stronger in love. Or you could say, and be stronger in God. The motive to speak the truth is what? Love. It said it in there multiple times. Speak truth with love. The motive to speak any truth out is love. Which is God. So if that's the motive of love, what do you think the motive, what, what motivates us to lie? Fear. I think that's the biggest one. We learn that real when we're little kids, right? I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm going to lie about it. So fear, selfishness, anger, all things that are opposite of love. We saw in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, you, s you see all truth comes from the Father because he gave us Jesus. 
You know, he is love. He gave us all truth for every circumstance, every situation, and it all comes back to Jesus. If you have the truth on a subject, it's because God already created that. Guess what? We know how the world was created because we have the truth on the subject, right? We don't have to worry about the science. We don't have to worry about all these things. The science proves that. Because God created, you know, God created science, like our brains, to understand how science works. Because he's God. We just call it science, but it's really like creation. He created medicines. He created all the things we're just discovering. Nobody created medicine. Nobody created this. God created all of that. And then we, with the mind that God gave us, so still what God is giving us, we just discover what God already created. Isn't that cool? In 1 John 4, 7, it says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. So if you are experiencing true love, it says you have a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. Whew. <laughs> because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love him. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for us to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationships with God. I loved that translation. It says to clear away our sin. It's not like it's just covered over and we trip on it later down. He said, I'm clearing it away to repair that relationship with him. That's why he sent Jesus. He said, to get rid of sin, you need the truth. You need to know that you were a sinner. You need to know that Christ died on the cross for those sins. And that when we repent and give our life to him, you come back into right relationship with God. That's so good. Our greatest command that we were asked to live by, Jesus, this is what Jesus says and we know it's truth because Jesus is truth. So he, he said this in Matthew 22. He said, they were talking to him and they said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They are trying to deceive him, which is a lie, you know, type of lie. And Jesus replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like the first you shall love your neighbor. That means everybody else. Every, uh, you know, there's God and everybody else is a neighbor. So it doesn't mean your physical neighbor. I mean, love them too, because, but this is everybody else. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. The whole law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commandments. The whole law. Jesus came to abolish the law and bring grace. He said everything in there is summed up. If you love God, that means to be able to love God, you have to come to him through Jesus. 
So that means you know him. So if you love God, that means you've already come through Jesus. And then, then extend it to everybody else. He said everything is summed up in that. If you do those things, all of the other laws, commandments will fall into place. Because we don't steal from people that we love. We don't murder people we love. We don't covet things of people that we love. We're not jealous of people that we love. So every commandment falls into those. Jesus is like, you know what? Y'all couldn't do 600 and I think it's 39 or something like that. You couldn't do 10. Can you do two? Two. Got two hands. Clap them together. Give praise to the Lord. You got two. That's all I need. I did all the other work. Two things. Love which comes from God needs to be reciprocated back to the Father. That's why we worship. That's why we're like, Lord, you are so good. He, he, it's not that God's like, you know, if they don't praise, it's not, he ain't Tinkerbell. It's not like, like, I believe, I believe, you know. It's not like if we stop believing, God stops existing, right? No, no, no. That's not how God works. We give it because we are so thankful and, and we are so in awe of how good he is that we reciprocate that love back to the Father. And then we also extend it to other people. We also extend it to other people because we are experiencing that depth of love that only God can bring. And then people see our lives and see that we're mirroring, you're mirroring the Father to them. Because you're, you're receiving it and then you're mirroring out, and that's what they see. And when they see that, that looks attractive because I just, I look and think, I don't know how people do it without, without Jesus. But, he, you know, I think a lot of people haven't had the opportunity because we're not mirroring well. We're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hoard all this love for myself. I don't want to take the time to actually have to go out and do what I'm asked to do, which is love people. I don't mean let people walk all over you, abuse you, hurt you. I don't mean that you have to agree with lies and things like that. I'm talking about love people. Because it says in 1 Corinthians, you know, someone makes more money than you, be thankful. There's people that I'm like, praise God, bring those people here because you know what? I want to bless other people. And you know what? They're good tithers and givers. God, let the people who make a lot of money also have a generous heart because you know what? That changes our world, our community. We're able to give more, do more. We're able to help the poor. I mean, you don't need to be jealous or envious, right? You should be excited when something great happens to somebody else. See, that's love. That's love. You know, when you have small children, and they ask you, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, we need to have a little patience. They're excited. They're excited to be with you. They're excited to go somewhere. They're excited to experience, you know, what God has set before them in their destiny. See, that's how we extend love. Oh, you're excited. You're excited to get there. We're going to be there soon. I can tell you're you really want to get there. I remember with my kids, I'd be like, let's sing a song. You know? We sing, are we there yet? Won't be very long, I bet. Remember that one? 
And then we'd sing the song that never ends. And then I would sing it so much that my kids would get annoyed. I'd be like, how's this feel? <laughs> Something I learned from my mom. She said, you can turn anything into a song. Instead of getting mad, I'm just going to sing. Singing warfare. Oh, I think I've heard that somewhere in the Bible. No, we got to extend it. Extend it to other people. You know, we saw Jesus, he spoke truth in hard situations, didn't he? He didn't come in thinking, oh, if I say this, they're not going to like me. They're not going to be my friends. You know, God, what if they don't follow me after I say, you know, get behind me, Satan? <laughs> he didn't, you didn't see Jesus acting like that? Because he said, you know, you need the truth, even if it's hard. Jesus spoke the truth in hard situations. You know, Mary and Martha, he's like, you know, she's doing what she's supposed to do. Calm down. Your, your house doesn't need to be perfect. Act like you live there. Come hear the word of God. This is going to be your everlasting life. Come on. Come on, girl. I feel like Jesus would say that. Come on, girl. You know, Zacchaeus, he didn't say, make sure you let me in the back door because I don't want people seeing that I'm coming through your house. No, he in front of everyone said, hey, hey, Zacchaeus, come into your house for dinner. Not even have, don't even worry about it being gluten-free. I don't know where that came from. Um, you know, we know the woman at the well. Jesus said some really hard things. And then he said, you know what? All that's a lie. That ain't right. He said, can I extend something to you? Let me extend the Father to you. Let me extend love to you. And he extended that to her. And what she did, she didn't keep it for herself, did she? First missionary went out preached the gospel, went out and said, hey, I met this guy at the well. He's the Messiah. He told me he's the Messiah. First person that he said he is the Messiah to. It's a pretty awesome gift to be like the first. We like that. Like, would we like to know things first? Yeah, I knew that already. I do that so bad. I have to stop. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, I knew that. It makes us feel important. And then we realize, how dumb does that look? I am important. God created me. But we all kind of strive for those things, don't we? Don't be lying now. You know that that ain't. We know lying's a sin. We want to feel important. And, and we look, sometimes what he was saying was not always popular. Usually it was very unpopular. It wasn't always fun to hear the truth, especially when we're doing something wrong. We want to get around a bunch of other people who will just say, that's okay. That's okay for you. It's your truth. That's when we, let, we go look for those people. Because we already know. Because if we have the Spirit of the Lord living in us, when we're doing something wrong and he confronts us with the truth, we already know it. So we try to go and get around people who will agree with us and shout louder. You know what that causes? Depression. Because two, two voices can't reside, you know, and have authority over your life. So if Jesus already got you, you might as well just submit because it's going to be a long, hard life if you don't. Because he's going to keep coming. He's going to keep coming. You gave your life to him. He's going to be like, come on, come on. You know, you're trying to sin, and he's like, what you doing? Love you. Why are you doing that? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? You know, you're trying to get away from him, and he's like, I'm faster than you. Created legs, created running, you know, all these things. doesn't work, does it? doesn't work. 
That's the great thing. So, like, that's why we want to raise our children up in the way we should go. I want them to know the Lord, you know, when they're young. They try to get away from it, and Jesus just knocking. Right here, right here, right here. They can't get away because they already accepted. I'm like, ha-ha, you can't get away. You're his forever. That's so good. That's so good. Jesus always brought truth because he is the truth. He can't bring anything else. He couldn't bring anything else. He can't, he can't bring a lie. He can't bring deception. He can't bring pride or rebellion. He can't because he is the truth. And he, he did it because, you know, his father sent him and he accepted that. We've got to speak the truth with love. Or you could say, Jesus always, you know, it says, speak, always speak the truth with love. Or you could say, Jesus always brought the Father wherever he went. Jesus always brought the Father wherever he went with whatever he said. By being truth, Jesus is the bridge to bring people to the Father. We understand he is the bridge to bring people to the Father. Jesus says, if you see me doing it, you've seen who? The Father. So guess what? If I want people to see the Father... I'm going to do things that Jesus did. I'm going to believe in healing. I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to speak the word of God. I'm going to believe God's word. I'm going to believe about, about, you know, that he still speaks to us today. I'm going to do all those things because if I am walking in the footsteps of Jesus and doing the things he did, what are people, people are not only going to just see Jesus, they're also going to get to see the Father, because if they see Jesus, then they also see the Father. I mean, we have a really easy job. We just have to do one thing. We walk with Jesus, they see Jesus and the Father. That's how we live. We've got to live in that truth. You know what? If you're feeling like things are all messed up and it feels like it's always just heavy or it feels like you're always trying to hide your sin, just repent and say, okay, God, how do I fix it right now? Because I can't live like this anymore. You can't live in lie and in truth. You can't live in sin and righteousness. They don't go together. That's why God said I made it easy. When you're living in sin, just run to me and repent. And every single time, he's what? He's going to be faithful and, and he's just and he'll forgive you. Every single time. Every single time. Live in truth. You know, live in love. And so that's what I wanted to talk to you about, that those are an identity. And so next week, I'm going to continue on this because there's one more person we got to meet. He doesn't just float around and be like, hope good things happen to you. He's the Holy Spirit, and there is a person of the Holy Spirit. And there are some things that he brings and he identifies as, and it is good. And you know, that's who's living in us. That's the peace. You know, you have the Father, and then you have Jesus who walked on the earth, but he ascended. And he said, i got to leave the Holy Spirit so you can access all of the gifts, all of the power, all of the anointing comes through that. And you know, he's a person, he's got an identity. He's not just this blob floating around that we see in movies like, oh, it's just this cloud or, you know what I mean? You know, he's breath. 
you guys know that? Holy Spirit, look in, look in the wor- word of God and see how many times you see that you can't live without breath and what does the Holy Spirit come in as? Comes in whew, tongues of fire. What did God originally do to the ground to create us? What did he do to create everything? Spoke. Holy Spirit is not the afterthought or the part to make it easy. It's a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray, and next week we're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. So.